0: Welcome back to the second episode of Are We There Yet?, this epic theme music is all your fault because you didn't send me one that you created yourself, but also because this episode is epic. We save America in this episode. Last week, while the activists and I were driving around eating sandwiches, we started talking about a local coffee shop that actually turns out to be really controversial and kind of sums up the issues with gentrification in America today. And I interview some local geniuses, local activists, local residents, and we solve the question of gentrification. So Obama, take note. I got you. And um, listen to the end of this podcast, because we save America just in time for the 4th of July. Thanks for listening, y'all. Here
1: we go. All
2: right. So, we're driving. We are. We need to pull over.
0: Oh, I'm good. You can keep driving. Oh. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's talk a little neighborhood with change, Speaking of gentrification. Okay. So, the other day... We were talking about <laughs> coffee, mm-hmm. which, let me tell you, is a very sensitive, fucking <laughs> crazy-ass gender... Especially, I would say, in New York. Because in mm-hmm. Seattle, the coffee capital, you are going to have places like little Vietnamese shops that make really good um, strong espresso, or you're mm-hmm. going to have... But it, New York has just strong-ass coffee with c- devoted coffee drinkers in every freaking neighborhood. Like, mm-hmm. you've got Cuban coffee, you got Puerto Rican coffee, you got Dominican coffee, you got... So, it's interesting when a sort of gentrified coffee shop moves in, and you know what I'm talking Mm -hmm. about, that that's a marker of it, because it's not like people in the neighborhood don't already drink coffee, you know what I'm saying? Um, So, we were talking about, there is a new coffee shop in your neighborhood that you frequent sometimes, and I mentioned that I had heard that there was a new one in the neighborhood where I work, Mm -hmm. uh, which I got excited about, because there are no Mm -hmm. gentrified coffee shops in that neighborhood. Um, and it's backed by Majora Carter, who is a well-known and uh, don't say respected. I would say somewhat. I was gonna say it's interesting because superficially, I would think she's very respected. She mm-hmm. she founded Which Coding. It was it wasn't Girls Who Code. It was
2: no. She she created Startup Box. Mm-hmm. That's not necessary, and that's not what she's known for. She's actually known for doing some of her environmental justice work. Mm-hmm. She has a MacArthur Genius Award. Mm-hmm. Um, and as of recently, she's pivoted from um, environmental justice to technology, which, I don't know, for me, it's, I mean, I'm all about the pivot. Like, let's not, I don't necessarily believe anyone can stay in their lane, but it is very interesting. And
0: mm. Politically? Yeah. All right. Well, so well. I mentioned, oh my God, there's a new coffee shop and it's backed by Major Carter. And your response was? Meh. <laughs> <laughs> so I <laughs> want to know, the neighborhood of Ochinche, what's the meh about? I said, is it because she's partnered with a, a corporate coffee shop and you said, no, we support them?
2: No, I actually enjoy birch coffee, birch box coffee, whatever it's called. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the thing, right? Like There are a few things. One, having Majora as the face of your... There, I'll start from the beginning. Majora did all this work, MacArthur Genius Award, you know, yada, 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 known for her <laughs> environmental... No, no. At this point, no. I actually start to question now. Macar- well, there are a few reasons why I would question MacArthur's um, policy and some of their. Girl, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother episode. Because um, I will never get a Genius Award. Because um, I'm actually really critical of them right now. But, anyhow. Let me see something here. I'm trying to, just so you guys know, Baxter, I'm trying to, try to find a spot to pull over and eat this sandwich. And, oh. like, switch lanes. We're about to pull over, like, in the parking lot of IHOP Parking. That Ihop because there's no way out. It's not like a back out. We're gonna have to go place where i Anyway, so um, so yeah, so Maca- Majora Card has done all this stuff, um, and so back when we originally started our um our community fight against this corporate
3: um, grocery delivery company, which
0: shall remain nameless, which shall remain nameless. <laughs> I'm sure, you cannot guess.
2: you know this is what we're doing we know that it's in line with your beliefs your policies everything that you stand you, you know you stand for um will you join us in this fight and her response was i charge five hundred thousand. Uh, i charge 500 um an hour to consult with groups and we said hey like we are a community group we have absolutely zero dollars um will you consider that and her response again was i charge to meet with people Oof. including the community oh shit so um, with that, and you know that interaction, like you know, there were questions, like why, why, what's happening, why would she, she be saying that? Like you know, we're, we're a community group; she knows some of us. Um, and what we then came to find out was that she was hired by. She actually went and solicited uh, Fresh Direct to become a consultant for them. To oh, I named the company. Whoops, we can edit that out. Okay, although Just we may not. Will, will you beep it? I'll beep it. Beep. Yes, that's what I would like. Um, and so he was hired by, by me, um, to bring them and to be for lack of a better word, the blackface Holy to bring them shit. to the company, uh, to bring them to the neighborhood, right. To get neighborhood approval. Oh my God. I don't think I've ever heard this before. And so that went really bad for her. Um, and you know, there was an expose on that, you know, and, and it just didn't work out because it actually backfired. Like you, and she was called out and a whole bunch of shit happened and how much shit went down. And so with that, um, That was the last bit of the community, I guess, engagement that we had. And that was, you know, four years ago. Um, She's come out a few other times against other things. But really, like, you know, her position. And and let's be fair here. Like, I can't blame her for being an entrepreneur, for being a go-gooder, trying to figure out, you know, where her next dollar is coming from. Um, But she has since chosen to align with a corporate partner. Uh, we're corporate partners rather mm. um, and essentially at this point I feel like there's a bit of exploitation happening. Um, knowing that the South Bronx you know, has seen an interest that hasn't been there previously, knowing that there are corporations and companies that are interested in participating in this development. I think that she's like really lent herself and her company and her name and her brand um, to these corporate entities for her own profit. So you might
0: need a breakdown for the listeners. Why partnering with a corporate enterprise might be a dicey uh, alliance in somewhere mm. like the South Bronx, or with someone who's been doing the work she's been doing. Like, so like, um, it's a little complex, right? But like,
2: I don't necessarily think that like all corporations are horrible. They're they're not, mm. right? But I think that it becomes. In in this neighborhood in the South Bronx, you have a ton of people and myself I would say included up until you know a few years ago, where you're not I don't want to say that you're not woke, but you might not really understand what's happening, especially if your life is in the grind and in the hustle and you know you're working three jobs, you're raising a kid or not, going to school, doing whatever it is that you're doing, like you might not really be hip to what's happening, right? But when you have someone who's from the neighborhood, right, who's well respected in that regard, who you know, like people know her, she has a public, you know, stand. And when she's partnering with corporations, who the the goal or the primary, you know, outcome that a corporation is looking for is really just profit and and exploitation. Like I think that it really is, it's really just dangerous. And really, just and these corporate entities, like don't have a vested interest in the people that are there, but more so the property and then the value. Is that answer? I am. Good question. I am. So all that to say, I mean, let's get back to the coffee because I'm, I'm already exhausted now. Now I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs>
0: then we're going to talk about the sandwich.
2: <laughs> yeah. I need a light. Uh, but no, so, so the whole thing behind this coffee thing um, is that the community. And so, let's be clear, like I don't represent the community. There are a ton of people who, um, and that's something that I don't represent. I am not fully representative of this entire community. There are a ton of people there. Um, but I think the, the question was, you know, why did you have to go outside to, to partner with a corporate coffee shop when there are a ton of like grassroots local, mm. um, small businesses, um, founded by Bronx people?
0: Um, why, why aren't we partnering with them? That's interesting to that. too, because she is someone who's obviously very smart, a genius, mm-hmm. according to the mm-hmm. MacArthur people, which I, you know, trust mm-hmm. just because they gave Flynn Miranda one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, you know, someone who is so interested in the community, you need to be really careful who you partner with when you're looking forward too, because the South Bronx is somewhere that's being pinpointed as the next
4: mm-hmm.
0: big neighborhood, right? And so if you care about gentrification or its effects on the people that live there now you know it's not just I mean obviously partnering with a small business is a good idea but also partnering with corporations means something about where the neighborhood's going next and what you're right what you're investing in and what that means Mm -hmm. for five years from now or ten years from now right okay here we are inside birch coffee and I am standing with
3: Hi, I'm James Chase. I'm Vice President of Marketing and Communications for Majora Carter Group Consulting.
0: So I just thought he was going to make my coffee, but it turns out there's a lot more to this coffee shop than meets the eye. So I'm wondering if you can explain what the thought is. So you walk into the, the store and it says Birch Coffee is absolutely beautiful. Brick walls, very homey. Um, but it says powered by Startup Box. My first question when I walked in was what is Startup Box, and you had a really interesting answer.
3: It's a good question, and I'm surprised actually that more people don't ask it. I think they're really just here for some excellent coffee, which I hope I delivered to you.
0: I oh, absolutely did. back tomorrow morning. Good. <laughs>
3: yeah. um, and what Startup Box is is a is a is a It's a company, but it's also an approach to economic regeneration in low-status communities, and it focuses on not adding more services and educational resources, because that's not what what we're good at. There are a lot of experts out there who don't need any more competition or any johnny come Latelys who think that they got the latest and greatest thing but aren't really putting in the time it takes to do some of those really needed services. Um, What we saw was that the success of people providing additional educational resources and training was not resulting in community-wide uplift because when you pour resources into individuals, the gen- generally speaking, um, as soon as they make above a certain amount of money, they leave. And they go mostly in pursuit of lifestyle mm-hmm. uh, amenities. And when we did our exit surveys on 20- and 30-year-old young adults who were upwardly mobile and were from here, their families and friends were all here, their social networks are here, they love this place, they go to it, they still come back to their churches very often. But where they choose to live and spend their money is someplace else. And when we asked them what it was that they were looking for, cafe, restaurant, third spaces that they're often referred to came to the top of the list. Places that aren't home and they're not work. Um, and they're places where people of you know different economic groups, different educational levels, can come and exchange as people who have a shared interest in a community. Um, and that unfortunately, that shared interest in the community is not enough to sustain their geography choices hmm. um, when it comes down to what are they going to do every day and where they're going to spend their money. Mm-hmm. And the other reason why we chose to uh, open up and put our resources into a cafe was because we saw all this like Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts uh, garbage in the cans and in the gutter, and we knew what the price point on most of these drinks mm-hmm. was, and we thought, okay, if they're spending that kind of money, uh, all that profit is going out of the community, let's round up local investors, which we have. And get them to uh, be a part of a business that recirculates some of those profits among people who live here and homeowners uh, as well.
0: So, are that when you say recirculates with people who live here? This is technically a corporate coffee shop, right? Like, how is this? How are the resources circulating similarly to a privately owned or community-based? Oh, so this is
3: a 100% for-profit operation.
0: Uh-huh. That's another thing I was wondering. Is this, like, I'm sure you guys think all the time about gentrification and, and uh-huh. how communities develop, and how does that play into your yeah. decision to put a, a cafe that usually would be seen?
3: So we believe okay. that this constant brain drain, this hemorrhaging of talent, this uh, this lack of attention to talent retention paves the way for gentrification by creating a reinvestment gap that is later filled by usually white people, right? So, if you have two one to two generations of people who consistently don't value the community and especially the real estate in it, yeah. and they leave or they take a, you know, a mid six-figure cash offer for a piece of property that's going to be worth triple that in a few years. That's not a good scenario, that's a lack of wealth building for minority families and it's a type of um, change in, in neighborhood demographics that doesn't usually happen slowly or I don't want to say it's not peaceful. It's not like there's violence involved, but people feel like they're like being a form pushed of violence, out. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. It's yeah, no one's absolutely. actually no one no one's going to the hospital for it. Yeah, um,
0: it's very quiet violence. But
3: but it really but it really is. And so what, what we feel is if if you in the same way that Majora Carter 15 years ago built award winning parks and multi million dollar greenways in an area that nobody expected those to be, that was another way of talent retention, making it say you know you hmm. can you can have beauty in your community. She quintupled the number of trees in this area. Again, is another way of saying Look, this is a this can be a shady, beautiful, lovely space to yeah. be in. It doesn't have to be oppressive all the time. I think every anything I've ever done uh, on my own has been half-assed, and everything I've done with other people who are better <laughs> who know what they're ahead doing ahead has been really good. <laughs>
0: That's right. <laughs> you hear that, eyeglass?
3: <laughs> well, what's going on there? <laughs>
0: All right, well thank you and I may uh, come back and see no if problem. you can introduce me to Majora Carter. Yeah, sure. Okay, <laughs> here we are with my dear friend. We don't use real names on this podcast, so I'm going to call you Heaven.
1: Heaven This is Heaven,
0: this is a appropriate name for her.
5: Say hello. <laughs> hello, everybody.
0: So we're walking through her neighborhood which is happens to be the neighborhood that is like a block and a half from this coffee shop that we've been focusing on for this episode. So, how, first of all, how long have you and your mom lived in the building?
1: About 35 years. So you're from the neighborhood? <laughs> Absolutely. I, <laughs> uh, came when I was five years old. Wow. Um, and you...
0: What have you heard about the coffee shop?
1: Actually, I, would, I didn't know about the coffee shop until one morning... Um, when I was running late to work, um, I saw that it was open and they had a little uh, chalkboard outside saying Birch Coffee. And I was like, Are you freaking kidding me? Now you guys put a coffee shop here? Meaning, now what? Meaning, the neighborhood has never had, like, all we have is like Spanish uh, restaurants that come into business, go out of business, 99 cent stores, laundromats, you know, but not really a place where people who can come together and you know, have a nice dose of coffee unless it's a Dunkin' Donuts. Right. So what do you
0: think about it coming now? You think it's a good addition to the neighborhood? Are you happy about it? You think it means anything? Like, what's what are your thoughts or what were your thoughts?
1: Uh, I don't have any ill feeling about it, but then again, I don't know too, too much about it. I don't know who the owners are. I don't know you know, like, are they teaming up with some kind of organization? Uh, you know for the purpose of the betterment of this neighborhood or is it just you know a small mom and pop shop you know that where the owners live somewhere ritzy and they're not from the neighborhood yeah so if sorry it's loud we're walking down the street in the Bronx so
0: if you found out that the owners were from the neighborhood and we're bringing the coffee shop to the neighborhood do you feel like it's a good idea to have it here is it something this neighborhood needs and or deserves
1: yeah, I. In that case, yeah, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm all about supporting the, you know, local local businesses as well. Um, I like to see things like this come come up. There's a, there's 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 a um, like a little uh, storefront organization not too far from. I mean, right on the corner from where the coffee shop is. I'm still yet to know what what they're about. But my thing is, is the people in this neighborhood need something new. Some you know something different, um, so I really hope that the coffee shop is here to also embrace the community. Yeah, actually, that that
0: business on the corner is related. So what what do you what do you, do you know anything about them, or what have you thought? Okay, no,
1: I don't, because every time I pass by, all I see is just a bunch of kids playing video games. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm like, really, it's just to play video games. Um, I don't know what their mission statement is. I don't know what their purpose is. You know, but I do see kids gathering um, there. And uh, if it's a place to keep kids off the street, then why not? Yeah. All right. Well, we're here, so we're going to try the coffee, and then we will um,
0: come back and and see what you think. Okay. Uh, Ironically, we are walking to Dunkin' Donuts (laughs) because (laughs) they're having a business meeting of some kind in there, so they're closed. (laughs) Uh, All right. To Dunkin' Donuts we go. (laughs) I mean, it is. Just, I'm just gonna say what I just said. It is. I, that was my original curiosity about the coffee shop. Was like, huh? How can you? I really, I really don't have the answer. Like, it, can you, you know, do something like this and and bring stuff into the community that wasn't there before, but then not invite gentrification? Well,
1: let's look at let's look at a, at a, a different neighborhood in the Bronx where that like, something recently happened. Like, for example, the Bruckner. I remember the Bruckner Barn Grill. Uh, when I first walked in there, um didn't know of its existence, didn't know that the area of my haven was shaping up. Um and when I walked in I was like Holy shit, this is the most white people I've seen in the <laughs> world gathered in a place. I'm like, Am I am I in the right place I you? And I thought I thought that maybe I walked in and they were and they would stop what they were doing, but no, you know, it was just like really chill and whatnot. It was a nice, nice vibe, nice feel. Yeah. Um and you know a lot of Little other places started opening up, and I was just like, "Wow, this is really nice." But now, fast forward, you know, we hear campaigns of the Bronx is burning, and people wanting to come and build freaking high rises. You know, they're calling it the Piano District. The Piano District. What the fuck is that? You know, um, and the people again. You know, like they. Have, I don't. I don't think that the interests of the community. Is, uh, is is uh, at at the forefront here? You know, you got Fresh Direct trying to <laughs> take over the waterfront. You know, without asking the people of the community. You know, so it's just like I, I that's what I'm, that's what I'm afraid of seeing happen here in Huntsville.
0: Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, and I don't know. I, I like, I'm not close friends with Majora and her group. I, like I said, I, I think, I believe her when she says she has the right intentions, but it is really, I think it's a big risk. You know. You know i i buy it but i'm not sure i totally buy i don't know that i've ever seen it done before and I'm, i don't know that i buy that it is possible right to do so, it that way
1: so it's you know one has to respect the level of skepticism that that one has because you're right I, i'm like you could talk a good talk and i really you know I, I i've never heard of you know never heard of her before but that's not because you know not because she hasn't done great things i'm sure i'm sure um So, and and, you know and she can have the best intentions but it's just you know does she have the right people around her to help Uh. to help defend that cause yeah you know or will she eventually you know will will it become you know what my husband became I don't know I just I I hope that she has the right people you know behind you know by her and advisors to to fight for that, for for her, for the cause, and yeah. really and really do something awesome. Ahan's point. That's my home. Yeah.
0: Well, we'll check in five years from now. And see what we got. Yeah. Right? We're in Dunkin' Donuts. How is your coffee?
1: It's uh, it's not authentic. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's sugar. It's you know. It's dunking, it's it's reproduced. It's just not it's missing jealousy quoi. It's missing something genuine.
0: Damn you Birch. So I'm gonna have to come back so we can go.
1: Alright.
0: Alright, bye. bye. Alright, welcome Majora <laughs> Carter genius ah. <laughs> in the podcast, um, we are sitting here in front of your coffee shop, yes. and our mutual friend told me that he said that you um, told him about it and said, oh, you know, James and I, were partnering with a coffee shop, and it's uh, controversial, and he said, only you and James can make coffee, <laughs> something as beloved as coffee into something controversial.
3: It's
0: very true. <laughs> so I'm wondering if you could explain why it's controversial <laughs> and where you come out on that.
4: Um my, so I've been working in in what we call the field of urban revitalization strategy, which is actually what the MacArthur Foundation calls me, and I kind of claimed it um, when I won a fellowship many years ago, and so it's, we kind of sit, you know, at the intersection of poverty alleviation and um, community development, and I decided that I want to take on more of the approach of looking at how do we transition our communities, you know, into understanding that we don't have to move out of our neighborhood to live in better ones, that, you know, we need to self-gentrify our own communities and really create models for economic development, you know, help and wealth and and just well-being, you know, Mm -hmm. for our own communities and not just assume that somebody's going to come and fix us. And um, we really are focused on, we're not interested in victim management, which I really do believe a lot of social justice uh, industrial complex members really think of it that way. So, um, and since we really have taken a project-based approach and one that assumes that people in our communities are incredibly powerful and given the right opportunities, um, and we're not trying to work ourselves into this idea that people in, in low status communities will always be in need of care. I think I think that's very threatening to, okay. to some folks within the social justice industrial complex and the people that support them. And I don't care. <laughs> I just don't. I mean, I used to spend a lot of time worrying about being liked um you know especially within the social justice world but at this point I'm not remotely interested in being a part of the of of that type of world because I don't think it I don't think it's aspirational I don't think it's healthy I don't think that it does anything to promote the well-being of anybody um so I don't do it so yeah I'm I'm hated in a lot of ways
0: yeah, you just answered a lot of the questions that I think I had. <laughs> so, and you kind of, would you say you
4: kind of came from that community? Oh, I'm from, I'm from the South Bronx. So I'm but active- I mean the the activist, social justice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, you know, granted, I came to the the activist world when I was old. I mean, I was 30, you know, so I guess that wasn't old. But, you know, I, I didn't grow up thinking, you know, I wanted to be Jay Gamara. You know, I thought he was a cute guy on a t-shirt. It didn't occur to me. Um, I didn't, I wasn't steeped in that history and, uh, and, and ideology I really wasn't I came back you know to the community only because I desperately needed a place to live um, which was my parents house and I was broke and uh, needed a cheap place to stay so that's where I went but it had nothing to do with me wanting to be you know an activist I mean our city I mean our community was under serious attack by the city and state and they wanted to build another huge waste facility and um they were, you know, and I, you know, had been away for a long time. I'd spent most of my young adult and adult life working to escape the South Bronx and and everything that it represented, which was poverty and just, you know, just always second class citizenship and I was like I'm, I don't want to do that anymore and I was like I've got an education I mean, we're all taught you know in communities like this to measure success by how far we get away mm-hmm. from these communities and I was I was all in all in my friend and um, was happy with that thank you so much really you, you guys have to come in for a cup of coffee seriously and, it, and it's on me really thank you my pleasure we try to keep I can, I can, and I seriously appreciate it. Yes. Well, actually, hold a second. What kind of coffee would you like? A regular
5: coffee.
4: Just regular coffee. Yeah. You want a regular coffee? Yes. Okay, could you hold a yeah, second? Yeah, do it, do
1: it.
5: Okay. Thank you. <laughs> we, <laughs> we cream. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we try to keep the. Yeah, it looks know, great. Yeah, the community.
1: Yeah,
0: you know, no, I hear you. You gotta keep it nice. You gotta keep it nice, right? Yeah. Yeah, these gentlemen are out here happens. sweeping up.
4: It doesn't happen so. Yeah, but. Eventually, yeah. We no, know, but back. you guys are what's here. Renee. Renee, and what's your name? Thank you
1: so much, God bless
0: you. She just came out with their
4: coffee. Okay, sorry about that. No, no, that was great. That was perfect, actually. You know, yeah, It's, but it is actually considered controversial. Yeah,
0: and part of it, I think, what you spoke to a little bit before is the, the pivot that you seem to take from environmental justice to, to economic justice, mm-hmm. and that that meant partnering or accessing some corporate... Yeah. Companies or, yeah.
4: I mean, even environmental justice was an interesting thing for for me because um you know at first I mean I totally did really appreciate and um you know and I thought there was a there was time and a place for it but it was absolutely not the be all and end all because it really was focused on you know the kind of at you know advocacy where it was just like you complained a lot I'm just gonna be straight. Just, things are wrong yes they're wrong okay now what are we going to do because i was always asking but now what do we do and um you know can we take this this idea of we know stuff's wrong like we know the community's polluted we know that you know that there isn't you know people who you know both policymakers and um businesses who sooner look at you know poorer people of color and care less about how they um how they operate as people and um It's just really gross and how horrifying it is. But if you don't give people something to aspire to, then all we do as people, because we're like that, is complain. And so I'm like, no, we have to give people, hi baby girl, we have to give people reasons to think about these communities as something that is worth protecting. And if all you do is complain, that's all people are going to do. And so, but instead, so that's why my focus, even within when I was working in that world, was really project-based. And maybe it came because, you know, I was actually, I have a history, um, you know, as an artist. I mean, my background is cinema studies and film production, Mm. and, you know, that's what fed me, like, actually looking at at something, whether it was a blank page that needed to be storyboarded or a can of film, because I worked back in the days when it was actually (laughs) film and not video, or iPhones, (laughs) camera phones, which you could do some amazing things on. But, um... You know, it was like, how do you create something and, you know, help people use that to envision a new future for themselves? Mm -hmm. But it's got to be something. It can't just be all blah, 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 which I find a lot of social justice activists do, and not very convincingly either. Um, But, you know, that's why I, even when I was working in, in, in EJ, it was, I did stuff like, how do you transform a park right so that or actually a dump into a park so that people see that like oh i do have an environment worth protecting mm. or how do you help people have both a personal and a financial stake in the betterment of the environment and this came directly from people in the community who were just like you know yeah i love the you know the, the fact that we are you know, seeing ourselves, you know, that we're standing up for ourselves and we're telling the city that we shouldn't, you know, they shouldn't dump on us and that, you know, we like the parks and they're they're really cool. We've not had places to take our kids to before, but you know what? We also need work. You know, and that's when I started um, one of the first and, and sadly still most successful green college job training and placement systems because I wanted people to have both a personal and a financial stake, you know, in the betterment of the environment. And that really kind of, that experience totally cemented in my head that you can't separate the environment from the economy. And, you know, and I think, you know, to a lot of social justice activists, money's dirty, even though, you know, they certainly want it (laughs) as much as everybody else does. And the last time I checked, you know, nobody wants to be poor. Nobody. And if you know the only people that romanticize poverty they're the only people that romanticize poverty are people that aren't poor and have never been poor and you know been there done that you know and see that and feel that in people so yeah I'm constantly looking for ways for folks to feel and and move themselves out of their economic situation because I realized that economically disempowered people are disempowered in every other way. Mm-hmm. They just are. They're easy to push around as well. So, but the second you feel like you've got something to lose, something to gain, you are, you take on a completely different persona. Hmm. And I think that's really much more powerful. I think
0: when I, granted, don't know anything about economic development, but when I look at a coffee shop like this and I hear you and James talk about it, it seems so, like, the way he put it was, um, sorry, I know that you have to no, okay. right now. The way he put it was, um, we wanna this community deserves a coffee shop too. It deserves yeah. a birch, you know? Yeah. Why why does it have to be uh you yeah. know, something that why does it have to be anything else? Yeah. And I guess my instinct, again, not knowing a whole lot about economic development, is, you know, the community does deserve a birch, but what if it then is facilitating gentrification in you know, I mean people wanna stay, but what if they can't because right. of eventually, you know, rent hikes or or housing
4: taxes or whatever. Well, it's not, I mean, look, it's, <laughs> a coffee shop is not going to do that. And what generally, and what people tend to forget is that even in the most obvious cases of gentrification, where it clearly is, you know, you see a big developer coming in and you know, pushing people out. Yeah. The gentrification happened long before that moment. Gentrification started happening when they, when they tell through certain and uncertain means. Um, That the kids, the the smart, hardworking people in our community, starting with the little ones, when we tell them that in order to measure success, they have to leave our communities. That's when it happens, because it makes it easy for them, the people, when they do grow up, and their parents have a home, and then the the kids look at it, and they're like, I'm not keeping that. And then it makes it easy for a developer to come in and go, hmm, you know what? I can pick that property off for a song, Mm -hmm. and they do they do that's what happened in Harlem happened in Brooklyn happens all the time and people never take it they just look at the the big quote unquote developer like that's the boogeyman it's like no we created that boogeyman wow by disinvesting in our own communities and we need to take responsibility for that and if and you know what Sue me. Try it. <laughs> I mean, try it. <laughs> you know, show me that I'm wrong. Yeah. And you will not be able to. And so, you know, so these little, there's like some really silliness um, going around where I'm being considered like by a bunch of the social justice activists who like who spend so much time on the internet because Lord knows they're not working, um, doing anything of value. And uh, instead, they're like running around going, I that Majora Carter is the harbor, you know, is like the face of gentrification. How am I the face of gentrification? I grew up two blocks away from this space. You know, I was here when the neighborhood was literally burning. Okay. I was here when the last coffee shop that was in this neighborhood left in the 1980s. Mm. And we have not had any kind of real social space like this, you know, where people can actually get together and hang out and just be fabulous with themselves. We haven't had it until three weeks ago. And, you know, I get to see, you know, who comes in this space, yes. you know, and it is like the, the young ladies from the local high school who feel like, you know, they're, they're like fancy and they get their work done. <laughs> it's so cute. You know, it is like the people from Aww. the local churches, you know, who come in and they're you know, and people who are looking for work and who are making connections and really, really nice stuff. Yeah. And And I'm like, these are local people who take a look at the prices and go, you know what? This is totally comparable to Dunkin' Donuts okay mm. so Ed, you know what this is way nicer <laughs> right this makes me feel really special and, and maybe I belong here yes exactly and you know when I do hear people coming in saying oh my gosh I feel like I'm a not in the Bronx and I'm like no we need to make sure you do feel like you are in the Bronx this is because this is the Bronx we deserve everything wonderful and special that you can find anywhere else and I'm going to do my darndest to make sure you have it say that <laughs> I hope right. you notice this but I, I do have a tendency to go to make smiley faces um no I didn't know that I, I like them so I did okay. the one down at the end of the block uh-huh. um on this uh at, at garrison this it's is a your personal this, graffiti this is my personal graffiti well it covers up graffiti actually oh so this was really nasty underneath there and so uh-huh. after the winter time I had to do it so over again so it's a picture
0: of a uh smiley face mm-hmm. painted over graffiti on a yeah and
4: I walked by it yesterday morning <gasps> and this is what no no, you have to read the whole thing.
0: Okay, so it's a little sticker that got placed in the middle of the smiley face and it says we like to see it's a quote. It's a quote. We like to see the work that we do as self gentrification. Quoted local sellout, Majora Carter, hashtag Columbus syndrome. Would, would you be Columbus in this
4: situation? Apparently. Coming back to your own community? I, you to... know, I guess they don't know the history of Columbus.
0: So what's that? now speak now that you have an opportunity, speak to the
4: <laughs> context of this quote. What is,
0: what it? what is this? You, so did this, you say this? Oh, and, this and is what? a quote. I yeah. do believe
4: in self-judification. I learned that term from a, from um, actually President Carter, who is the head of uh, Johnson C. Smith University, who's a, a um, unrelated, unrelated. I'm totally unrelated. Yeah. But, but it's a historically black college in Charlotte, North Carolina. And he was talking about his university and the fact that it's right next to an incredibly poor neighborhood in Charlotte, and that he really saw the work of the university and the development they were going to do as a way to help self-gentrify the the historically poverty-stricken community that was right next to it. He's like, he wanted everybody to be included. And I was like, that is so cool. Self-gentrifying meaning like, hey, we're going to go ahead and take it before. Exactly. We're going to do this for ourselves. Like, we're going to make our communities better. For, for, for the people that are here right now And I just And so I totally claimed it And I just I love using that term right, Yeah Doing the whole Fresh Direct thing totally. And again I don't know a lot about it like Oh yeah I, They were Yeah He was um, But it right sounded there. like Hi you guys, good morning
0: You guys Had some kind of relationship before that And then it kind of I fell apart really, Around South Directs I
4: like, had no relationship okay. With them, right. with them. They, I mean that's the funny thing Is like there Many of them are just like You know You were You were like Down this way And I was like I don't even know you yeah, um, But again, you know, they claim me and uh, I think on some level, I mean, I definitely got the feeling that, you know, I was supposed to be their wet nurse. Like I was supposed to fall in line. And, um, and again, I'm grown. You know, I've got experience. I didn't get to the position that I am right now for falling in line with anybody. And um, I make decisions. Ba- Hi, sweetie. I make decisions based on what, you know, the work that I do and why, and you know, based on years of experience. So I'm not easy to push around, you know. And um, and initially, they did come. And actually, at first, we were not even interested in the restaurant, like, because I was working I wasn't, I wasn't an activist. I was doing work around the country. And I was like, you, you, you got this. Whatever it is, I really didn't even know about it. And, and then to be accused of, like, you know, um, that they, they did. And they came to us at first and literally handed us, like, thousands, like 500 pages of stuff for me to read. Um, and it was just like, look, generally, you know, I, I'm a consultant. I, I have no other means of income. So I was like, I you know, if you want us to go through this, um, you know, let us know, but generally, like, we generally charge, but you know, but we also do so much Daggon pro bono work, it's ridiculous. It's like, that's also why I'm not rich. <laughs> and um, yeah, people only knew. But, um, and instead, right after that, they were just like, oh, she charges money and she's a sellout and she's a thief and a liar. And I'm like, really? And again, having never had a conversation, never had a conversation so and again it was kind of like um really interesting that and i don't you could say all this you want you, i am I'm, this is on the record okay um you know so then to have them you know say that i somehow betrayed them is just like you can't betray somebody you don't even know okay and you know and the bottom line is like when i did um find out more about the company i i thought some of their claims were just unreasonable Mm I did, you know, and if they were smarter about it, I think they actually could have gotten a lot more out of the company than they initially thought they could. But again, I think they, I think they were much more interested in the fight than they were in any kind of resolution or anything else, Mm. because many of the folks that did want to, that did want to work with the company, they got what they needed. They, you know for people that they cared about like hundreds and hundreds of jobs so far um you know i think that they could have they're going to be able to do a lot more so again they but they want to continue to put a dog in their fight go ahead i mean they're entitled at this point always were but i don't i've not you know my contract's over with them and i'm totally fine with it and uh know, I'm really happy for the hundreds of bronxites that are now working. Mm. And, um, hi sweetie, how are you? You have to get some tea or something. (laughs) And, um, yeah, you know, but I, I feel really bad that it it has come to this where, you know, people can't even have an adult conversation, but. But you also don't feel responsible to facilitate that adult conversation because. I try. Yeah. I try. Yeah. So. And, and um, you know I got stuff to do, and you're doing it exactly. <laughs> so again, I'm always open, but you know if people insist on making little stickers <laughs> or calling me out on social mm. media as if it really hurts me, um, right? Go ahead. Yeah. I don't know what else to say except I wish right. you. So here we go. And um, so anyway, so I did say you know, we believe in self-gentrification. This is what we're doing. It's by us, it's for us, and we're going to benefit from it. And um, (laughs) and so, yeah, so there was like, you know, a group of, again, members of the social justice industrial complex, card carrying members, um, were just like, oh, you're the face of self-gentrification. And then I woke up, you know, just literally yesterday morning and saw that, and they were just telling, you know, calling me a sellout in every, you know, little social media venue that they can find. And, um, yeah, so I'm the local sellout. And you have
0: personal stickers to, yeah
4: uh, I actually found another one and I took it and I framed it so that I, I can keep it fuck y'all <laughs> exactly no I'm totally I'm just I think it's hysterical so um do you, you know. think there's there's a
0: a way for there to be conversation or, or well I to the middle? Or, yeah know,
4: after this one gentleman kept calling me out um Or calling me out on social media, you know, because I know he lives in front of his computer. I don't know what he does for work. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I wrote him on Facebook and on Twitter and said, hey, would love to talk to you about what's troubling you. Silence. Silence. I'm still waiting for a response. Mm. And then this shows up. And I don't know if it's the same person, but I'm sure they all talk.
0: I have some good friends who I, I think are very much the the card carrying social justice South Bronx members, but I also think they're not like the internet um, sitting around doing nothing kind. And huh. they and and I'm I don't I mean they're my good friends. I mm-hmm. also know very little and admire very much the work that you do. So I kind of fall in the middle. So this okay. is more like just like oh I'm really curious to hear what both sides Always have to say happy because to talk. yeah yeah.
4: Um, I'm not even remotely interested in, in allowing myself to be beat up. Just if that's what you want to do, then you know what? Keep doing your stickers. Yeah. Please. By all means. Right. Um, so, but you know, I can handle myself. But again, if they want to actually have a conversation, I've um, always been open to it. Yeah. They know
1: it. Yeah.
4: Uh, I mean, Lord knows I'm pretty easy to find. Like, <laughs> I found you. <laughs> I'm really easy to find. Lord, it's not that hard. But, you know, but people have a problem with powerful women. And I think, I think especially powerful Woo. women of color. Um, so let's just try to, you know, tear me down. Just like, it's going to take a lot more than that. <laughs> Obviously. And maybe make it worse, yeah, right? Like exactly. maybe make you want to dig in your heels oh, more and be like, absolutely. oh, try it. Yeah, right? exactly. No, no, no. It's actually just made me stronger. <laughs> You know, it's true. Cat Williams is right. Because haters will make you famous. They already have like, They have no idea. <laughs> it's like babies. babies.
1: I was just talking to somebody
0: yesterday about um, Hillary Clinton. My sister, actually. We were talking about this. And I was telling her that in my class this year, we read Mer- Medea and Macbeth. And, uh-huh. that, and both, you know, a lot of what people take out of those stories is the idea that these women are crazy. But really, yeah. I think what the authors are trying to show is yep. they're blowing up the crazy to show what people's perception are yep. of women that do what they need to do to... Yep sort of crazy to get power be in power no all right, all right. I mean, it's really thank you so rubber. much My pleasure. here we are with uh one of my students actually who is uh, i told her she gets to request a name and she requested the name i'm gonna make you say it
5: norma <laughs> what
0: was the other one that you said
5: Jeff, the principal.
0: Wow. Now that we're on tape, she doesn't want to say that she requested to be called CEO. Oh, yeah. CEO of the
5: world. Of the world.
0: Thank you. And then you added the (laughs) qualifier. All right. So the CEO is here. And I just briefly wanted to ask her opinion on the coffee shop, Um, mostly because she's from the neighborhood. And I find that my students or all students, high school students, FYI, are the smartest people in the room any given day of the week. So if y'all need somebody's opinion, you need to ask a high school student. But she also is... Um, somewhat exceptional in that she, didn't you just finish making a movie about gentrification, a short yeah. film?
5: Um, in my documentary program, we made a documentary based on gentrification, based on Washington Heights in Washington Heights. Not that
0: we have decided that this coffee shop is a signifier of gentrification, but just to put out there that she's pretty, pretty knowledgeable about the, the issue. So, about how you like coffee, you want... An, coffee to be offered in your neighborhood it's already at the bodegas Mm -hmm. but you felt like this particular kind of coffee shop was not something that would signify middle-class expansion in your neighborhood that you thought like why why bring a coffee shop that was something that was seen in more affluent white neighborhoods when you could bring something else that signifies development in your neighborhood you were saying something about how yeah. you thought there was, like, untapped potential in the neighborhood already. So mm-hmm. why bring in something from another community to signify growth when you could tap into, like, the beautiful cultural history here?
5: Well, um, when you were talking about earlier how the purpose of the woman that was trying to start it, mm-hmm. how she basically was trying to make this bougie coffee shop so people can feel more comfortable with going to places like that, something, I think you said something like that. I know the purpose was to, like, kind of raise the middle class and black and Latino people to kind of where white people are on in terms of like finances and class, things like that. But I feel like if you'd want to raise black and Latino communities, you have to build on top of what we already have, not change it into something and losing the culture and the history of that neighborhood, just build on top of it instead of like changing the small businesses that are already there to more like trendy places, build on top of those small business restaurants and expand them, so they can learn the value of that property, and their property values, and they can teach, they can teach their kids and from generation to generation, and that's what I feel like we need to know because also that's something that came up when we were learning about gentrification, because um, people in these communities would sell their property. For um, not as much money as it's worth and basically they would lose that and then the communities would be gentrified slowly by slowly um, because they have more land because they bought it and now they're able to kick out those families that were living in those buildings and just turn the whole community into something else and I feel like that's important that's more important than building a coffee shop can you do both? But why would you do both? I don't know why. Like, if it had more to it, because I do do like the concept of it, and, like, she wants to help people feel more comfortable in places that they might not feel used to or they might not be used to, but the
3: execution isn't good.
5: Yeah, I want to talk about the execution,
0: because I think also providing people the opportunity to, to feel like they belong in places like that, but also providing... Like, if I'm someone who grew up in the, in Hunts Point, I'm an Afro-Latino woman who now is coding and making a whole bunch of money, and I want to live in a place where I feel like you know I made it. i I got out. i I, I don't want to be anymore where I had to struggle so much. what What does that neighborhood look like? It might have nice coffee shops. It might have a museum. It might have whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I think her idea is if we if we have those things in the neighborhoods that exist, we won't be losing those people to other neighborhoods.
5: But when you build those places, it attracts more people outside the neighborhood. So even if that's not your intention, that's what you're going to attract, really. And then they'll see, like, oh, this is a nice place. I've never been here. Because people are already scared of the Bronx for some reason because it's dangerous or whatever. And once they see more businesses, they're going to feel like it's it's safer to live in. So they'll probably want to come in, too. And even though that wasn't their intentions. That's the outcome. Hmm. So is the answer not to develop? No, I wouldn't say it's to develop. Like in the way you're saying, like build coffee shops so people can feel like they made it. Cause what does that really look like? Like, does it feel, I don't know how to explain it, but I'd rather live in a place where I was always used to living rather than some place that has new stores and everything to make me feel like I made it. Because really just being in the community and empowering the people that are living there, that makes me feel like I made it because I have a purpose of what I've accomplished and everything. Mm -hmm. So that makes me feel like I made it. Not just like now that I can buy from this nice supermarket that's overpriced and probably has enslaved people working for them, like Whole Foods. That's not going to make me feel like I made it. How old are you again? <laughs> 17. <laughs> <laughs> the CEO of the world, y'all.
0: That actually, when you were talking, it reminds me. I was infuriated when I first moved to my neighborhood, which is in the last 20, 30 years, almost all Dominican. And before mm-hmm. that, it was Irish, I think, you know, decades and decades mm-hmm. ago. And there was a coffee shop that opened, the first coffee shop I know of, like that was, you know, bougie. Uh, French press, espresso coffee, because there were other coffee shops in the neighborhood already. There were bodegas, there was places making Spanish coffee, there was coffee, right? Mm -hmm. But it was the first that was like this kind. And they are in a predominantly Dominican neighborhood and you're only going to see white folks in there unless it's somebody's nanny. Mm -hmm. And they have these history nights where they talk about the history of the neighborhood, but it's always the history of like 40, 50 years ago or the turn of the century. And I'm like, but what about the history of the last 30 years, the history that's like actually still here that you're ignoring?
1: Right.
2: So,
0: and their intention was not to come in and develop the neighborhood. Their intention was to like make a coffee shop for the people that ended up going there. But I also think about there were a lot of Dominican artists and and entrepreneurs who started to fight back against the coming gentrification by opening businesses that were... Like there was one guy actually who opened a coffee shop and a bar and he had Dominican coffee in there. He had Dominican artists. It was a place where, you know, young up and coming middle class Dominicans who grew up in the neighborhood felt like they could go and feel comfortable and explore the fact that they were also, you know, exploring new identities, but they could be comfortable there and they could explore their history and feel like they belonged. And that's what I'm thinking of when you, Mm -hmm. when you talk about that, really thinking about how do I preserve and promote my culture while acknowledging that it's, that we're coming up, you know, that, right. that we want to this neighborhood to develop, but we want it to develop in our way, not mm-hmm. in a way that's going to displace people.
5: Mm-hmm. I agree like I don't think her intentions are to like um, outnumber the Black and Latino people in the community. And so. she's a Black
0: woman who grew up in the yeah. community, just so. so I
5: don't I don't think that's her intentions at all. Um, and I would love to work with her because gentrification Um, I know this isn't the specific topic, but gentrification isn't easy to, like, fix. Like, there's no answer to fix that because you're always going to have the good and bad effects. But I feel like you can balance that, and that is possible. It's just really hard, and it takes a team. And that team has to be the people in the neighborhood, not people outside looking in because they don't know what we go through. They don't know how to fix the problems because they don't know our problems. I think she would be super down to talk to you. I think she would.
0: Like, if you actually wanted to, you don't have to. But um, I think that she would love to. So you want to go for coffee sometime? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) All right. Thank you to the CEO of the world. And we'll probably have you back again soon. Bye. (laughs) Bye. See, you guys. I told you we were going to solve it. All right. Well, thank you for making it to the end of this podcast. Thank you to The Activist for being one of my closest friends and always having inspiring and uh, life-changing conversations. Thank you to Heaven for being my friend, for raising a beautiful daughter, for being a beautiful, beautiful community member in a gorgeous community. Thank you to Majora Carter for being so forthcoming on the podcast and the work that you do. Thank you to the CEO of the world. You are our hope for the future. And thank you to you for listening for this whole hour. My boss told me that it's too long for a podcast, but he's not the boss of me. So I mean a little bit, but not for the podcast. So thanks for listening. Please go look at the Facebook page and you can see extra uh, information, maybe a picture of the gentrification sticker. You can see videos and upcoming episodes. And also hit me up with some feedback. Are you listening? What do you like? What do you want to hear more of? What is the least annoying part of this whole shebang? let me know. And we'll probably do at least one more episode
3: because we're not there yet. Bye.